Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And here's your host. She has amazing manual dexterity but cannot catch a ball, Dr. Grace Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of Career Revisionist. Today I wanted to be doing something different. I want to talk to you and share with you about my first career change. When I was a PhD student, my focus was in neuroscience and particularly it was in brain disease and my specialty was on neurodegenerative brain diseases. So these include things like Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's and ALS, so Lou Gehrig's disease. And those were like, that was like my primary focus. My whole dissertation was on brain disease, finding treatments for brain disease and understanding the brain and the central nervous system in disease and why our brain cells are dying, why a spinal cord, certain cells are dying in in this disease and what we can do to reverse that or at least to slow the process. So during this time, during my PhD, and I consider it really, I consider it a, a job in a way because I was paid a stipend and it wasn't just because I was getting paid, but it was really a very in-depth knowledge and a skill set that I gained. It was, uh, it was highly focused on research in the lab, but it was also a, it was also a, a lot of responsibility, right? I was managing, I was managing my workflow. I was managing a small team and I was also a part of a team and a part of a team that had a vision towards the future. There was competition involved, right? There was a, a promotion in a sense, in the academic sense of uh, gaining scholarships or gaining notoriety on my research. Right. So in, in all for all intents and purposes, that was my first job. Right. And for five years, I was in that role, you know, working towards my degree and in and graduation. And so in that process, I learned more about myself in terms of what I enjoy, what I don't enjoy and what kind of environment I find that I would thrive in. And my decision at the time was I enjoyed the outcomes of research, of life science research, and I enjoyed the outcomes of finding, answering questions that people don't have answers to today, like why diseases happen and how, and if there can be treatments developed to improve quality of life. And so I enjoyed the outcomes of those questions, but I didn't enjoy the process. Right? And the process is the most important thing because it takes years to answer one single question in research. Right? And of course, in that time, I've made my contributions towards those questions and I've published my results and disseminated them in meetings and, and on the stage and in front of my colleagues and things like that. And people just expand. We, we build this network and we expand on each other's findings. And so my contributions, I really valued them, but I didn't enjoy the process. So then after I get my five years later, I graduate, I get my degree and I changed my career. And that was the first career change that I did. And what I what happened was I stayed in the same organization. So the organization is academia, you know, the the institution. I stayed in the same institution and the same structure of the academic structure, but I changed my industry. Right. So the first during my PhD, the industry was in neuroscience, right? It was in uncovering treatments for brain disease. So that was the industry I was in. And it was in a research in a, it, we call it a wet lab. And when we say wet lab, it means that we're actually working with chemicals, 
right? And there are living tissues that we are manipulating to to figure out the answers to those questions. So that's what it means by a wet lab. So during my PhD, I was in a wet lab environment, and that was the job function. And I changed my career. So the second career that I had after my PhD was no longer in a wet lab. So no more chemicals, no living tissues and that. But it was, and it was in a different industry. So the industry, I switched from neuroscience to what is called neuroethics. So it was, it was like a bioethics where you answer well, you try to, there's never going to be a consensus in ethics anyways, in any ethical discussion, there's never going to be any universal consensus. But it was investigating ethical implications of treatments for brain, for, for neuroscience, right? So that's why they call it neuroethics. It's a combination of neuroscience and bioethics or clinical healthcare ethics. And so there was a special set of training I needed to go through to to be able to take on such a job function in a new industry, right? And it was so the organization was different as well. My job function was different, and so was the focus. So in, in the neuroscience I was focused in my PhD was about brain disease. So when I switched, when I changed my career, the focus was on brain trauma. So I was looking at the ethical implications of, of brain-injured patients as they come into the hospital and how we can improve the landscape of healthcare for those patients who are unable to speak for themselves or answer for themselves because they've had severe brain trauma. And some of them are in different levels of coma or they are unable to answer important questions on on their own health care so I was answering questions on ethical implications in and the, and the ultimate goal was to improve health care for those individuals right so this was a very different my first career change was very different it involved a new a different set of skills a different set of responsibilities a different environment and on the day-to-day looked very different as well. So when I when I did my first when I changed my career for the first time, I mean I mean that was that was the most the first time I encountered such an uphill challenge, you know, when you, when you change your career and you have a different function, right? In a different environment, there's a learning curve. And so that was one that was one of the first times I encountered such a steep learning curve and I had to learn on the job and and go to some extra training as well and certification programs as well to be able to be uh, competent for that role. And I was, I, I felt, I felt that it was, it was a challenge. It was a, it was a challenge. And there were times and moments where I wasn't sure if this was the right path for me, but I made a decision knowing what I didn't want. Right, so that was how I made a decision to go to this in this particular direction because I knew that continuing in my previous direction wouldn't be fulfilling to me. Right, I really just didn't enjoy the process. So this was a, a my first career change, and so I wanted to be doing what I wanted to do in this uh, career revisionist um, uh, episode was to share what I learned. Right, three of my best lessons that I learned after my first career change. So that was like the context of it. And so I wanted to share with you, what did I, what did I learn, right? Because it's really important when you are, every time that you do make a change in your career, every time you pivot or you take on new responsibilities that you look at, okay, what were some learning points? Because it's in those things that you've learned where that's where opportunities are, right? You identify opportunities to close future learning gaps, or you identify opportunities where you've learned something and it could be applied in a different field or in a different context. And that's where new opportunities can arise as well. So I want to share with you three of my best lessons that I learned after my first career change. The first lesson 
that I learned was that who I am is more important than what I do. Right? And here's what I mean by that. I mean, in terms of what I do, I mean, that is like, that is the, like the, the, the first conversation that people run to in, in, in the Western culture anyway, and in, in society, you know, when you first meet someone, they ask you what your name is. And then right after that, they follow by asking, what do you do? Right? So what you do is at the forefront of our communications. And as a result, these conversations and society has trained us to really put primary emphasis and focus on what I do. Right. And, 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 and I've subscribed to it too. I mean, I have kind of like my, most of my professional life has been in the Western culture, in this society as well. And I really did focus on what I do. Right. And it was really important because I wanted to feel proud of what I do. And when I tell someone, when I share what I do, I want it to feel good as I'm sharing it. And I want it to, and I want to be able to elicit positive response to who I'm sharing it with. You know, I want them to be impressed or if not impressed, I want them to be interested in carrying on a further conversation with me. Right. So it was very important that to me what I did. And so I focused on that. And what I realized when I focused on that was I was on this slippery slope. Right. When I focused on what I do and that was like my primary focus, I was on this slippery slope and very quickly and very easily what I did became quite synonymous to my identity. Right. And, and that really was a slippery slope because when what happened was eventually, as I'm going through this career path and here, I'm, I'm still I'm still quite young in my and early in my career path. I'm still not sure if this is the one for me, not sure of myself. And I don't I didn't know myself as, a, as well as I do now. Right. So I'm fe- fi- feeling my way. And because what I did was so tied to my identity when there were failures at work, when there was, when I was in, in stress about it, overwhelmed about it, or feeling unfulfilled about it. And that's happened before. It would become an existential crisis, right? Instead of being, instead of being a crisis at work or being a, a challenge that I'm facing or a roadblock I'm facing in my work, it became an existential crisis. I began to feel like my identity was less of who I wanted to be. And so it was a slippery slope, right? And so I've learned in my, in my first career change that who I am is more important because the fact is, modern careers are going to be changing, right? Back then, traditionally, you know, in in our ancestors' world, before the internet, before the information age, especially during that time, a career path would be like these 10, 20, 30-year-long paths or journeys where you land a job and you stay in that company for as long as you can and you work hard and you get promoted and you and you achieve more success in that journey. Today, careers aren't like that. You know, they're more like micro careers. They change. And it's actually very common for people to have spend at most three years in one career track or three years in one company or organization. And that's really common. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's just become the, a more common image of what a career is, right? So what we do will always be changing. And it was my uh, big lesson that I learned is that what I do will always be changing. Even if I stay in one company, right? The modern day careers are, okay, you have a job description, but then 
the reality of that job isn't going to be like you're going to be sticking to that job description and you're not going to be doing anything outside of it. The reality of it is that businesses and organizations are constantly evolving and they have to because they got to keep up with the pace of the evolving marketplace. So they have to evolve, they have to grow, they have to scale. And whenever something, whenever something changes, people, the right, every business is made up of individuals, of people. So people have to work as a team to adjust along with it. And those adjustments include changes to your responsibilities, changes to the skills you need to have to be able to perform those responsibilities, right? So what I learned that what I do will always be changing. And so who I am is always going to be more important because who I am is going to be able to dictate what I can do, right? I have to become the person who is competent, who has the skill set, who has the right attitude in order to do what I need to do to fulfill the job requirement or in order to be successful in my career. So that's what I learned. I mean, that was like the number one most important lesson was to focus on more on who I am. You know, the statistics show, I mean, I think Oprah said it in her show. She said that, you know, if you look at the most successful people out there, the ones that are making meaningful contributions out in the world, they are successful. They have turned a profit in what they're doing and they are very famous for having incredible being ultra successful. What they do is they spend 80% of their time working on the who right? Working on who they are as individuals. And if you look at, if you studied it, and I've studied a lot of biographies of successful people or people that I admire. And when I study these biographies, they're not only doing one thing, right? They might do one thing and it for a certain period of time and it changes, right? So what they do is always changing. It's always evolving. But everything that they do is meaningful to them. Everything that they do puts out a meaningful contribution. And, but, and the reason why they're able to do that so seamlessly and have success each time is because they're focusing on who they are, right? So who I am, I learned that who I am is definitely more important than what I do. And the second lesson that I learned was that people know me for one thing at a time, right? They know me for one thing at a time. So it's best that I update them and do it often. Okay, so let me expand on that. When you're out there and you're meeting people, and, and as I mentioned earlier, they ask you, what's your name and what do you do? So then you tell them. And, and usually, you know, we've heard of the 30-second pitch or the elevator pitch. We have prepared a pitch or of how we explain to someone what we do. And uh, I'm not going to get into the elevator pitch, but traditionally, the elevator pitch involves either a job title or it involves a little a snippet of your day-to-day or a role that you have or a main responsibility in the organization. And I'm not going to comment in this episode whether or not that those are the elements that you that go inside an elevator pitch because I have my own perspectives perspectives on that and that's beyond the scope of this episode. So I'm not going to comment on the elevator pitch. But what I want to what I wanted to say about that is that so we have we have a way that we've been communicating what we do. And I've learned that when you when you do that, when you do that enough times, when th- those people, the, they will remember you from what you told them last, right? And then that is the image they'll have of you. Sort of like an impression, you know, how first impressions are lasting impressions and you can't change the first impression. You know, you've heard that expression, right? So it's similar here. When you meet someone for the first time or it's not their, or, or whether it's not the first time you're meeting them and you give them and you have a conversation about what you're doing, right? And then you go away from that meeting. 
that's how they're going to move forward remembering you, right? And so oftentimes we go through these moments in our career where we want to be known for something different, right? And this is what I had gone through when I went to my first career change. Now I want to be known for something different. Previously, I was known for being a PhD candidate, you know, working on, working in the lab, you know, doing histology and doing wet lab stuff and research, right? That was what I was known for. And I wanted to be known for something different, right? I wanted to be known as a researcher. I wanted to be known as a, a neuroethicist, right? So it was a different conversation. And so what I found was that that's that, that people are so busy in their own lives and they're so busy in their own careers and doing the things they need to do that they will only remember the last thing you told them, right? The last interaction they had with you. And it's true. And as I mentioned earlier, your career is constantly evolving. It's changing. Every couple of years or so, you change career path or you change your, your responsibilities. And, then, and so therefore, you want to be known for something different. So I learned that it's best that you continuously update people and you do it often, right? So this is kind of like sell, selling, selling yourself and selling and doing that often, right? And there's so many ways that you could do it. I mean, one of the ways that I did it was on LinkedIn. I would share posts about myself or I would write articles and my articles would illustrate this new area of expertise that, now, that I'm involved in now. Or I would share posts on other forms of social media of more of a professional nature and, and that would be my way of sharing with them what I'm involved in now and what I'm, what I'm known for now, right? And I did it very often, right? And then another way is, of course, when you go and meet people to have that conversation and keep updating them. And that's why it's so important. I found it very important to select for yourself what are the key relationships that you want to nurture, that you want to build over time. And building a relationship means that once like, you set the schedule and once in a while you would update them once in a while you would meet them and then you would have conversations about what you're doing and what your and what your expertise is right and it's an organic conversation but it's you actually updating them and doing it as often as you can right so that was the second lesson uh is is just really noting that you know and I, and I did for myself this social experiment where i remember the last thing i told this person like each person and that when i met them again uh, I noticed that they would, sometimes they would open the conversation and they would ask me, so are you still at, you know, are you still doing your PhD or are you still doing uh, brain research, was it, or spinal cord research? Is that still what you're doing? They Sometimes they would volunteer that or sometimes I would initiate and I would sort of like talk about what I'm doing now and then they would, uh, they would make a comment like, oh, that's very different from what I remember you told me last time, right? And that was a clue that I got that, you know, people remember you just for one thing at a time. And, and so they don't have, they're too busy to keep track of your life and they're too busy to keep track of your career. But the thing is you want to keep, you want to keep your relationships, you want to keep your network updated, right? So it's best that you keep doing it and you do it often, right? Okay, so the third thing that I learned after my first career change was that one way to make a meaningful contribution is by documenting the journey, right? So when you are, when you are choosing your career path, when you are looking at your goals and the things that will make you happy and fulfilled, you know, one of the most, most vital things is to know that what you do matters and to be feeling that you're making a meaningful contribution, making a difference in people's lives. And one way to do that, what I have learned, is when you document the journey. So when you document your journey, that's where you note for yourself 
where you where your career started and along the way the challenges that you faced the conflicts that you've had to overcome the transformational journey that affected who more of who you are and how you changed as a person going along the journey and the things that you did to overcome the conflict the decisions you've made that journey that you're documenting it i found that that is one strong way to make a meaningful contribution and let me give you an example Look at what I'm doing right now. I'm sharing with you in my, my podcast episode right now on lessons, my best lessons that I learned after my first career change. Now, when you're listening to this, maybe you are having, you are expecting a, an impending career change soon, or maybe you are thinking about, I need a career change, and I, I, but I'm just, I'm, I'm wanting to know more about what that's like. Right? And so you're listening to this podcast, trying to figure out for yourself, what does that look like? Is it something I should be doing? And, and when do I want to do it? You want to plan that change. And so because I've documented my journey, I'm, I'm able to share with you my three best lessons. And you're listening to this and you're finding tidbits, insights and wisdom from it that you could use to plan your career change. Right? So when you document your journey, you can share things with insightfulness. You can share knowledge and experience that is of value to someone else, right? And you can only do that if you've documented your journey, right? And then therefore, you're, you share vulnerably. You share your stories about what happened. You share your failures and how you came back from that. You share conflicts you faced and how you overcame them. And most importantly, you might share lessons you've learned like I'm doing right now or some uh, professional tips that you developed or strategies that you've developed to get to where you are now, right? So documenting your journey is one way to make a very powerful way at that to make a meaningful contribution. And this meaningful contribution could be outside of the contribution you're making in your work life, right? It's, it's, it's something that you are doing as a person, as an individual, but you know it's making a difference in someone's life because you're sharing from your heart and you're sharing, you're sharing your journey with someone else who's about to go along a similar journey and they want to know from you what that was like and what things that they need to avoid and what things they need to look out for, right? So the three best lessons, in summary, the three best lessons that I've learned in my first career change is knowing that who I am is more important than what I do, right? And also I learned that people know me for one thing at a time. So it's always best that I update them and I do it often. And the third thing is that the one of the most powerful ways to make a meaningful contribution in your life is by documenting your journey. And when you share that, you really are affecting lives and changing lives in very positive ways. Because they're seeking for a message and you happen to be the best person to, to deliver that message. But the only way to deliver that message is if you documented your journey along the way. So thank you for listening to another episode of Career Revisionist. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to go to Apple iTunes, leave a honest feedback and an honest review for me there. If you have questions as well, drop them in the review. And I really appreciate all of your honest feedback from iTunes as well. Visit careerrevisionist.com. And if you don't, if you're not an Apple user like me, then I'm available on all other platforms as well. So choose your favorite one at that site, careerrevisionist.com and leave your honest feedback for me there. So thanks for listening again. And I look forward to hanging out with you in my next episode.